NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. Welcome, listeners. I'm Elise Eidman Adol, and this is NWP Radio. It's July 2020. Teachers around the U.S. are trying to plan for absolutely the most daunting back-to-school year ever. And one of the challenges we're wrestling with is how to connect our students with, well, stuff. Uh, Stuff that they learn with, stuff that can work online if necessary. So it seemed like a question for a librarian. So we decided to Zoom with Bud Hunt, a leader with the CSU Writing Project and a librarian extraordinaire. Here's what he had to say. So everybody, this is Bud Hunt and probably a lot of people in the National Writing Project, but know who you are or they follow Bud the Teacher blog and Twitter account. Know that you were a teacher consultant with, with the Writing Project in Fort Collins and now are in a library you're like an instructional technologist or something. You have like a very special title. I don't know that it's that special. I'm currently, I am a library administrator. Formerly, my role is IT and technical services manager for the Clearview Library District. So that means I'm responsible for all the boring parts of the public library, right? So the IT infrastructure, which is pretty straightforward, and then technical services, which in library world doesn't mean IT. It means barcodes and databases and backend systems and bar scanners, all the things that make the library run. So catalogs and record systems. And, and if it's the boring part of a library collection, that's technical services. But I love that stuff. So it's really fun. I think every title connected to a library is special because libraries are special. So, uh, and that leads us to what we're talking about. So, of course, you've been a teacher and you can imagine what it would be like right now to be a teacher trying to take your curriculum that you've been honed for face-to-face situations and try to figure out how actually they have rich learning experiences for kids in all the ways online and face-to-face and synchronous and asynchronous and libraries can be the most important partner in trying to figure that out. And so you had mentioned to me that you had been thinking about that. So I just wanted to listen to you for a little while about how we should think about libraries. Well, I think, I think we should think about them a lot of ways. I mean, it is a challenge to be a teacher right now. My wife is, is still a, a high school English teacher. She teaches ninth and 12th grade. I've been watching her teach and turning our home office into a studio for her classroom. I have three bears in the public schools right now, one at the elementary, one at middle, and one at high school. So I've been helping them and sort of staying out of the way sometimes and observing uh, and watching what school has been like for them. And then I'm working with a couple of different school districts in, in a coaching and a, and a consulting role, writing some curriculum that we thought would be delivered face-to-face, and we're going into pilot over the stuff that we thought would happen in a space where we would all be together is not going to happen that way. So uh, yeah, I'm very much thinking about how the public library and my day-to-day work can support those school spaces wherever they might be. And more and more, a school space means some sort of hybrid virtualization between the physical and the, and the electronic, and hopefully there's internet access. And so at the public library, we've been trying to support our district a few different ways. I mean, the, the biggest thing for us uh, early on was helping to support internet connections or internet access for families and kids. And there's, there's two ways we're doing that. The, the first way, actually three, the first way is our physical physical library never shut off its internet connection, which sounds silly, but our parking lot, our front patio, our places mm. where people are still wandering while we were closed okay. to connect. 
So very simply, just the physical internet ability of the building. And when we redesigned our network, we designed it so that the patio and the parking lot were reachable by our, our access points so that you could pull up and at least, you know, get what you need and head out. So that is one way we, we've supported. But we also have hotspots in our collection. And one of the things we did is we issued every hotspot I could get my hands on to the school district, the local school district, and they put those in part of their checkout process for, as they were handing out devices, they did surveys, as many districts have done, who has internet access at home, who has meaningful internet access, who has those sorts of things. And families that identified, we don't. We tried to connect them to some of the uh, third-party services that offer discounted internet. And when we couldn't, we, we tried to send home a hotspot. So that was an item you can check out from the library. So just access to the internet to help you get to school has been a big thing for us. For folks, uh, for folks who have been looking only to their school district to solve that problem, and of course the school district might be working with the library, but if that problem seems not to be solved, folks should consider their library as a place to help solve the problem of internet access, including, I love the picture of the parking lot, and there are probably other places, fire department stations that might have internet in their yep. parking lot because they're on emergency services, et cetera. So access. Okay. Yes. And, and, and a piece of that too that we're trying to, to do is the raising the issue that it is a problem. So our communications team is working with the chambers of commerce in the towns where we are to raise uh, questions of where do you have public Wi-Fi? So one of the things the library does isn't just has stuff. We, we tell people where others, where you can find it elsewhere, right? So we're working on a, a district-wide collection of all the free Wi-Fi spots in the, in the district. And that's great for two reasons. The first reason is we can help families go, oh, I live right down the street from this and I can walk over there. Fire department's a great idea. A lot of coffee shops, a lot of businesses that do have outward-facing internet. Uh, the second thing is, is a little bit of peer pressure. Hey, look at all these other places in the community that offer free Wi-Fi because they support our community mission and they want to look after kids and they do the thing. And that creates a moment for, for them to say, oh, well, we could change our password and we could maybe point this towards the window or something. You see what I'm saying? It creates yeah, that yeah. community need. Uh, we originally started that project thinking about meeting space and, and places where folks could physically gather. Now it's a, a conversation about Wi-Fi access. In a lot of places, being outside <laughs> in the parking lot or at outside dining tables is actually going to be safer for families than thinking about meeting spaces inside. So there are probably Correct. parts of the country that that would be actually the best option. Yes. And then there are parts of the country where there isn't enough access and we have some rural areas in our area that it's, it's a larger issue, but we're having that conversation as the library to say, this isn't just a school problem. It's a business problem. It's an opportunity. So that's, that's the, the connectivity piece that I think the library can help with, or at least our library is trying to. Number two. Number two, we have all this stuff. Elise, I don't know if you know, but libraries, uh, a lot of them are just big collections of stuff. And for many months they've been closed. Yeah. Right. Um, and so so we've been trying to um, actually handle the fact that many people have brought books back right before, as I've been calling it, the dark time. It was mid-March when things started to shut down, the before times. More of our books went out than ever before. Right. There was this big inhalation uh -huh. of I want books, I want movies, I want things, I want to take them home. And then when we started to reopen our drops, we've had this big exhalation of stuff. So we have more things than we know what to do with. And even though we're reopened, we have a lot of things uh, sitting around, children's books, picture books, movies, uh, all the things that you'd find in the library. And 
what what librarians really want is that stuff to get read and used and explored and handled and touched and played with, right? And so we're we're exploring different ways to make sure that stuff gets into places where it can be used, like supporting school libraries, supporting classrooms, community stations, that sort of thing. A really simple uh, example of this is we have a lot of picture books. Like we actually have too many picture books because our library was never designed to have all of them in the building. So what we're thinking we'll do is, is come fall, the school uh, libraries can, can basically check out 150, 200 of our picture books and subsidize or, or supplement their collections. And rather than taking them into the, the library, which is another place to congregate, we expect they'll over the school, right? So, so we'll do a 150, 200 book book drop and they'll go and we'll, we'll drop them off in crates and the school person will distribute them around the building. And then a month later, pull them all back and we'll take them back and do our disinfection procedures. And, and then we'll take those to the next school. So if you think, man, how am I going to get physical books to my kids during this time? Um, you basically just find ways to put books in places where folks can get to them and then they will take them and then they'll bring them back and it'll work out pretty well. I also just want to highlight, I love uh, everything you're saying, but two things in particular. One is that you may have a school library and your school library can work with the public library. This can be a school and public library joint think. And so that's only a good thing to imagine those systems working together. And of course, there are places where the school library systems have been underfunded or there are too few school librarians, but your public library system might be still there. So that's great. And I was also kind of picturing with these book drop-offs too. I think at one point you said we could drop them off, then we'll like pick them up and take them somewhere else. Could be an interesting curriculum process for a couple of schools to be able to rotate collections of books around topics, be able to create some joint curricula perhaps, so that when a lot of books around a certain theme or topic come to your school, there are some ideas for curriculum that might go with it. And those could easily rotate uh, around elementary schools or other in a kind of partnership. Absolutely. And you could stand up a, a, a content management system very easily to allow for some conversation about those books to go back and forth as well. I mean, it's not just dropping off the stuff, but, but the stuff we have, and many librarians are looking for places to get the stuff used because we have extra stuff right now because we're not as open as we were. So, and, and here's the thing about librarians. If you ask them for things, they will find a way to tell you yes. But what happens a lot of times is nobody asks. So teachers ask a librarian. That, that's my, that's number two for stuff, right? Here's number three. Those librarians also have some capacity that they didn't always or didn't used to have because they're not necessarily running all the things that they used to do uh -huh. uh, currently. So I know that many classroom teachers are looking for experts or opportunities or experiences for children that are not me talking to you for a while as we sit together, yeah. right? Yeah. And librarians know things. Uh, they know things that are useful to the curriculum, but they also know just a lot of other things. And they know people who know things, right? And so thinking about the teacher or thinking about a librarian or a library as an extension of curriculum or uh, call it a virtual field trip, as we've seen some really cool curated museum field trips and those sorts yeah, of things yeah. online, but inviting some expertise into your classroom through asking a librarian or asking a librarian's uh, network of people who they know who know things uh, to come in. So we've, we've had a few really interesting virtual program moments from the library that have turned into videos that can be static things. But the asynchronicity of conversations like this one, we're sitting in a Zoom room talking to each other. Uh, I know I hadn't actually thought about it quite the way you said it, but here we have 
people who might have been otherwise planning a whole bunch of community programs, finding community speakers, organizing things for events in the library. Those things are not happening right now in many libraries, but that expertise is still there. That's a great point. Yeah. It's not to say that librarians are sitting around with uh, twiddling their thumbs. Right, right. But but librarians want, like, like teachers want, we want to serve the public. We want to engage and be engaged and, and be engaging. And there's some opportunity right now to meet needs differently. Also, as libraries have shifted a lot of their services virtually or, or to be delivered over the internet, they're, they're actually more equipped to be a guest speaker in your classroom or help you get the 10 books for the five kids or come and do a book talk or spend an hour with the kids who don't know what they want to read, asking them questions and helping them find the right book, right? We know that in these moments, kids and grownups all need a little bit of extra magic and a little bit of extra inspiration and librarians are magical people. And so think of them as people who can come in and help you find the spark that's going to get a kid or kids doing some of that, that we need them to do on their own, uh, reading a book, writing a thing, exploring a new idea, uh, discovering a, a deep rabbit hole of interestingness to, to fall down. These are moments where we can invite people like that in and it's incredibly safe to invite somebody into your virtual classroom. So actually, I would say the biggest thing that you said that covers all of those is go ahead and ask. Ask. Quite right. There's, there's, if you look at a library's website, you'll frequently see an Ask a Librarian link or a reference uh, link or just a Contact Us page. Find it, tell them who you are, what's going on, and, and try to invite yourself into a conversation. I, I promise you it will be met with somebody on the other end who's excited to help you and wants to help you and can open some doors and light some fires. I'm thinking uh, that model of, for example, an iSearch paper where young people have a mm -hmm. question and you say, okay, who in the community can you interview about this topic? It could be the librarian or the librarian might know who you should talk to in the community about this topic. So Quite right. Or here's, here's three hours of video lessons about this topic that other people have asked. Libraries have been really focused on growing digital collections. And it's never been easier to make those digital collections accessible to kids. The, the Library of Congress has worked really hard over the last several years to help school districts and public libraries think about ways to issue every school kid a card, a library card. So there's stuff digitally in the library, too, that kids can get their hands on. Uh, but somebody has to ask and get those balls rolling right. to get it started. Right. And probably get their hands on for free uh, through a lot of partnerships that would make video assets and audio assets and other sorts of things that families might think we can't afford a streaming service or we can't afford that. A lot of that stuff might be free to you through your public library. Yes, that's correct. You've already paid for it because you may live in a, in a library district and that or a municipal library. It, it, it's free because you've paid for it and it's sitting there not getting used. There's opportunity there. Bud and I thought that was a great place to end our conversation. There's opportunity there. Folks, reach out to your librarians. Like Bud says, they'll find a way to say yes. I'm Elise Seidman-Adol, and you've been listening to Bud Hunt of the CSU Writing Project on NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. You can find us at nwp.org, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook or Instagram. And, you know, we'll get through this together. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. NWP Radio.